Okay, entering the space, initiating the space and initiating the collective presence. Um, and, and, and then in some ways, the meditation space is simple. We are here to cultivate presence, to be presence. And, and that in, in, in being s- that way, um, it, it's more a sensibility, a decorum, right. how we move through the space, We're moving quietly and mindfully. You know? Even how you take care of your own meditation seat, can you at the end of each sitting, can you make a practice of just leaving it neat? As you enter and leave the meditation space, can you do it quietly? Even if there's no one else around, uh, moving uh, mindfully and quietly supports your awareness. And the theme for this retreat will be the six paramitas. Often the word paramita is um, translated into English as perfection. Um, But with many Buddhist terms, they, they don't lend themselves so completely to an English term. You know, when we think of perfection, we we can think of something's perfect, it it is without blemish or or without any um, inadequacies, or or it has some some quality about it that sets it aside from what we might think of as our karmic way of being. Um, you know, in, in the Chinese word for paramita, it, it translates into English as um, going to the other shore the six faculties of being that enable the qualities of awakening to arise. Or, you know, they're going from the afflicted struggling of karma to the ease and openness of liberation. Mm. And the, the process that facilitates it In a way, this this process holds the attributes of karmic life and it infuses them with a quality of awareness that facilitates letting go of struggling and 
makes evident liberation. And just the same way we, we allow the space of the meditation hall to become the ground of our practice. We, we can involve ourselves in, in, in our own being, in our own consciousness, in our own habits of being. We, we can involve them, we can relate to them in a way that they also become the ground of letting go, of non-attachment, the ground of non-struggling, the, the ground of non-grasping, the ground of liberation. So the six parameters are not some static accomplishment, you know? They, they, um, they're initiating a process. At any time, you know, when, when the Dharma is presenting us with a process of practice, um, the shadow of it is that we can relate to it with some sense of inadequacy. You know, I am not what I ought to be, and this is going to fix me, or this is, but, but, but really, um, what we're coming into relationship with through the Dharma is illuminating conditioned existence, illuminating even the mind that sees deficiency, and shifting how it's being related to. And, and so the paramitas facilitate and support and guide that process. They help us discover and realize that the human condition isn't intrinsically afflictive and limited. That the human condition, when it's infused with awareness, shines with non-attachment and shines with liberation. And then the, the, the six qualities are dana, giving, you know, sila or shila, the, the conduct of practice, and then patience, you know, kashanti, you know, this, this quality that we are just so willing to keep sitting and keep practicing with the arising of our karmic constructs. And then these three together help to create, you know, the, the generosity, the giving, um, it's like a kindliness to our own efforts. It, it, it softens up that 
sometimes very obvious and sometimes <coughs> subtle self-criticism. It's, it helps to support a shift in our attitude. And then, of course, the sila helps keep us on track, and the patience lets the whole thing become deliberate, steady. Even if the mind wanders a thousand times, bring it back a thousand times. And then the next three factors are virya. Virya which ranges from, you know, persistence, dedication, to the energy of aliveness of the moment. And then the steady contact with what's happening in the moment is the next quality, and then the next quality is how with these factors existence is illuminated and we see it not just through the filters of our karmic constructs, not just through the filters of what we want and what we don't want, but we see it in the suchness of what it is, just as it is. And the, and the insight arises. So those are the, the six factors that we'll be talking about during the course of the retreat. And um, But really, each time we meditate, uh, whether we have those formulations in our head or not, th th they are the process of mindfulness. Okay. Not sure what the bell ringers were told, but uh, for those of you who are ringing the be the practice leader sitting up here, um, that uh, if you're sitting on the mats, you can sit in the seat where I'm sitting. That's the practice leader mat. Or if you want to sit in the chair, the chair here is for you to use. And the bell here, if you've never hit the bell before, uh, first time you hit it, uh, be sure to make uh, be sure to hit it in a mistaken way. And the way, the, way you, the mistake you should make is to hit it too softly. Uh, because if people have never hit this before, uh, will hit it what they think is a normal hit. It's a very sensitive bell. And it's very easy. It becomes really clangy, really loud. So just err on the side of being really soft, soft as you can be. And then you can increase it until you think it's the right volume. But it's not so good to go loud and then decrease until you get to the right. So. And uh, part of the reason we have practice leaders uh, for the retreat is part of this community emphasis uh, that um, we're all taking care of each other. And so to have the people who are retreats to sit up here and be the leaders of the sitting and ring the bell, kind of really, um, many people report how wonderful it feels to feel that connection, that the exchange back and forth that goes on here. And uh, for those of you who sit up here, it's a wonderful thing to sit here and 
little bit be the caretaker of the community and to be able to sit out and see the people meditating and uh, it's a, uh, hopefully it's, you'll feel, find it very supportive and inspiring uh, to have this vantage point of the retreat. It certainly is, is for me as a teacher to sit up here and I'm regularly inspired by all of you people who sit here on retreat. It's quite wonderful. So this initiation into the retreat continues with one more step, and that is the refuges and the precepts. <clears throat> and the refuges and precepts are the context, the container, the ground for the practice we're going to do. And uh, it's hard to imagine uh, the practice kind of really, that we really settle into the practice without the refuges holding us up or accompanying us or the precepts, or our sila, our integrity, kind of, uh, you know, in our hearts. And um, so the refuges are the refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha. And uh, since the ancient times, the refuge in the Buddha is understood to be the refuge in the awakening of the Buddha. So it's not so much the person, but rather that, that this person discovered the uh, awakening, freedom, peace, in some very profound way. And that this is a potential for each of us. That we have many potentials, and this is one of them. And uh, it's one that's often overlooked or not known, not discovered for people. And it's uh, sometimes it's hard to, for the uninitiated to feel value and feel the importance of it. Uh, because of the messages and values that our society and family and ourselves create over a lifetime. Our fear and our desires and our greeds and our aversions and desire for security and many things uh, take precedence over the value of a liberated heart that's liberated from its afflictions, liberated from the constrictions and the limitations we put on ourselves. And so to... Uh, to know that this is a possibility and it's valuable, it's supportive, it's helpful, it's helpful for us and helpful for the, our, our world, this movement towards the liberation the Buddha attained, to come from it, to touch into it. And the reason we take refuge in it is because it's so easy to forget its value and its importance. And refuge means that we remind ourselves that this is the orientation, this is the perspective in which we're doing this practice. And it's there. It's a perspective and orientation which supports us on a more deep, a deeper place than our conscious mind. Uh, if it's only up to our conscious mind and what we know, it, we uh, we don't really understand the fullness of how the path unfolds and how the heart opens and how all this gets integrated and works and gets inspired. And there's something deep inside of us that uh, knows knows us, knows the Dharma. The Dharma knows what we need. The Dharma lives on us. And so this capacity for freedom and liberation, uh, when we take refuge in the Buddha, we're, we're, t we're taking inspiration, reminder, we're finding safety, we're finding value in, the <clears throat> in awakening, whether it's present for us or not. To take refuge uh, in the Sangha, the third one, is take refuge in the community of practitioners. 
and it's very hard to do this practice alone. I'm I know 100 101% probably at least that I would not have practiced as much as I did without a community of people around me supporting me, without teachers who were there to practice with and support me and guide me and mirror me and challenge me and all the things. And so, you know, without community, for most people, it's quite hard to practice and it's quite hard to get the full benefits, to really drop down and discover the possibility of liberation, to let the paramitas flower fully within us. Um, there are so many ways in which we limit ourselves, so many ways in which we don't um, allow ourselves to open fully, so many ways in which we compartmentalize our lives and don't see our, all the different aspects. And so to, to live in community, practice in community to some degree, um, is meant to be a, uh, a refuge for us uh, in the sense that we don't have to do it alone. We can't really do it alone. And there is a supportive network of other folks who practice that are there uh, leading the way, walking together with us, supporting us, um, um, who've, who've showed, shown the practice for centuries or millennia, there are many people who are practicing. And to know that you're supported by that. You're not doing this alone. Uh, whatever challenges you have, uh, you're always doing it in this beautiful and large community of Buddhist practitioners down through the ages who have made it possible for this to be here. Possible for the center to be here that you're practicing in this room, this retreat. Um, there's so much that, so much here that supports us. And so to be reminded that you're not doing it alone. And, um, and whatever your challenges you go through, um, people have been there before and people can support you through it and inspire you so you can persist, you can keep going, you don't give up. And then between awakening and the community is the Dharma. And uh, as I just mentioned a while ago, um, I have tremendous uh, faith that uh, the Dharma knows better than you do what's supposed to happen. And uh, so we're sitting here meditating and again we can have all kinds of challenges and we think it's not going right. But the Dharma knows what it's doing. You're getting exactly what you need. And so if you're having challenges, whatever they might be, um, you're probably working through something, probably facing something and meeting something that's really important for you to see. And the Dharma is kind of, your heart is kind of bringing it forth. And the Dharma is your heart. You don't find any the Dharma anywhere else but in your heart. But it includes those practices that help to connect to that heart of freedom it, uh, it also includes the teachings, which are mirrors for that heart of yours. And so we find support. So in terms of being a refuge, the Dharma is an orientation towards liberation, towards freedom. It's an uh, intention towards liberation and freedom. And it's a, um, a support and a safety as we walk this path. Some of you might not like the language of Buddha Dharma Sangha uh, because maybe it's, you, know, you don't feel particularly Buddhist. And uh, maybe the language of awakening truth and community works better or mutual support. Uh, there's many, many words that can be used. But uh, the, I think the bottom line for me of this 
of the refuge is um, there's something bigger here supporting us than our own individual efforts. We have to do our part for sure, but it's not only up to it's not only our efforts that makes it all unfold. So if we take too much responsibility, we actually limit ourselves to re- to receive and feel uh, the support of the the awakening, the Dharma, and the community that's there kind of moving us along. So that's the refuges. And um, and partly we do it here together in the beginning of a retreat to remind ourselves that how much we're in community and how much there is something larger here that we're both being supported by, but also that we are um, creating. Because we not only do we take refuge when we take the refuges, go for refuge, but in doing so, we become the refuge, we offer the refuge, and we become the community for other people. We become the, you know, the, the field of practice. And so we're actually offering ourselves in the refuge to help support and create the context, the container, the support, the ground for all of us to be here. So we share, it's something we share together. The other thing we're sharing while we're here are the refuges, the basic ethical precepts of how to live together. And in the ancient world, these precepts were called gifts. The first paramita is generosity. And it's a gift to to everyone in the world, but certainly to the community you be with for this week, uh, to help create an environment where people feel safe. Many people in our world don't feel safe. Tremendous amount of people, not only don't feel safe, you know, because they can imagine the dangerous things happening to them, but they are living in tremendous fields of danger, situations of danger. To come into a place of safety is a amazing benefit, blessing, amazing good fortune, amazing privilege to have this kind of safety that we have here. And we want to kind of, um, and what that safety does, it allows us to relax. It allows us to open up, not hold on. Allows us to kind of drop some of the ways in which we resist or are bracing ourselves. Allows us to look as deep as we possibly can into our own psyche and mind to help liberate something. To be tender, to be open, to be vulnerable, um, to be willing to be exposed, turned inside out. And so, we want to create here at the retreat an environment of safety for all of us. And I'm pretty confident that none of you have any intention and are probably incapable of uh, killing, stealing, at least the first two. Uh, uh, Chances are pretty high that the sexual misconduct is not going to have much opportunity here. And some of you, maybe you'll say some mistruths, but what's really great uh, as a teacher is to have someone come to sign up, say, I just had an interview with, can I see you again? I, w- I need to tell you, I didn't really say the truth. I kind, of, I kind of didn't tell you the full picture. I don't feel good about it. This environment here, people don't feel so good about even I- accidentally saying mistruths and they come and make amends. And, um, and um, so these are good people here, all of you. I'm confident in that. So the idea of taking refuge, you know, take going there, taking for the precepts, you know, you would say maybe it's not really necessary, given that basically these are good people here. However, 
um, part, one of the reasons we do the precepts on retreat, this initiation process into it and creating the, creating the retreat, is that um, uh, the heart, deep in our minds, we might not know that it's safe. Some people have deep experiences in their life of being unsafe. Things happen to them. Maybe as small children, it became an imprint that there's something really there that's not safe. People can't be trusted. The world can't be trusted. Um, a sense of caution or a sense of being guarded that's there. And when you do a ritual, ritual speaks to the deeper, what can be called subconscious or unconscious corners of our mind, the deeper condition, conditioning. And part of one of the reasons we do the, the ritual at the beginning of the precepts is to um, sp speak to that deep parts of ourselves so we can relax and be open. But then it's important to remember that that's what we're offering, that's what we're trying to do. So you want to, you, really important that all of us be the careful custodians of this, in, of this heart's turning inside out, this willing to be vulnerable and open. And we don't know, we don't really know who's here. You don't even know who you are here. We don't really know who's here and what people have gone through and what they're up against and what they're doing to open up. And so to meet each other with uh, compassion and care and be committed to creating a field of safety, a field where we don't harm, we don't, we don't kill, don't cause any intentional harm. We don't take what's not given, a higher order than not stealing. If it's not offered, then you know we leave it there. And um, we don't involve in sexual misconduct here in the retreat. Uh, it's, a, it's meant to be, that's understood to be celibate, celibacy for a week. We know that many people will have sexual thoughts and fantasies and desires on retreat. It's not a sin to have that happen, but uh, it's, uh, the commitment is to keep it to yourself and not have it in any way spill out towards anyone with, uh, because um, again, um, the whole sexual world for people the relational world is very difficult for some people and can touch really deep, painful places. And we want to be caretakers for each other, so we keep it to ourselves and practice with it as we need to. And then, um, the not lying. Um, I think of mindfulness as, the, uh, as a practice of honesty. And um, without you know, honesty, there's no mindfulness. Mindfulness and honesty are almost synonymous to be honest about what's here. This is what's happening now. And um, so to lie is going directly uh, cross purposes of the reason we're here to practice. And uh, it also, uh, the lying creates less safety for everyone. And then finally, uh, this is not a place for taking, uh, to, uh, to intoxicating oneself, to take drugs or alcohol that are intoxicating. Um, because that also goes in cross purposes with um, with the attempt the the efforts to wake up to be to become clear to see clearly what's happening and also um, uh, it's part of the gift that we give to the world not just to the people who are here but actually to the wider world that the people know that there's a place you can go where people don't drink alcohol or take recreational drugs. Um, people struggle in the world around this issue. Tremendous harm gets done in the world for this. And to have oases, have places that are, offer stability and offer refuge from that, 
And again, we don't know who's here. And there could be people here who that's one of their struggles around that. And, um, and if there's any uh, kind of wavering in the commitment here about avoiding alcohol and drugs, um, it can really uh, be challenging for people who are on the edge, struggling with this thing. And are maybe coming here is an act of tremendous courage to try to uh, live a different way and to be separated from the temptations that are out there. So there's a big, lots going on here, and we're all the caretakers for it. So we, we, we do refuge, and we do the precepts, and we do that in a little bit formal way, in a little ritual of chanting them in a call and response. I'll lead the chant, I'll, I'll chant a line, and then you can repeat after me. And if you don't know the full uh, chant, and you can't follow it because I do a whole line at a time, um, it's in terms of the ritual, what's important is the intention you have and that you hum along. And so it starts by first in, in the Pali language, we chant um, the homage to the Buddha to kind of uh, evoke the person who started all this and his awakening and our awakening that's mirrored in his. And um, and then we go into the, in the Pali language, the three uh, refuges, and it's done three times. You'll hear the first time it's, we say it, and the second time we add the word dutiyampi, which means second time, third time tatiyampi, third time. And then we'll do the uh, precepts, and the precepts we'll do um, in English, and uh, I will recite the line in English, and you can repeat after me. Namo tasa bhagavato aharato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato aharato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato aharato samma sambuddhasa. Sarananga Chami Namam Sarananga Chami Sangam Sarananga Chami Dutiyampi Buddham Saranangachami. Dutiyampi Buddham Saranangachami. 
Dutiampi Dhammam Saranangachami Dutiampi Sangam Saranangachami Tatiampi Buddham Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Buddham Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Dhammam Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Sangam Saranam Gachami Tatiampi Sangam Saranam Gachami For the sake of our training together, I will engage in the practice of not killing. For the sake of our training together, I will engage in the practice of not taking what is not given. For the sake of our training together, I will engage in the practice of and not uh, engaging in sexual misconduct. For the sake of our training together, I will engage in the practice of not lying. For the sake of our practice together, I will engage in the practice of not intoxicating myself with drugs or alcohol. Thank you for that. So with that, we've started our retreat. And now we're in the silent period of the retreat called Noble Silence. And um, I think what we'll do is we'll sit for about three minutes and I'll ring the bell and Paul and I will leave. And then those of you who want to stay, you're welcome to stay and sit as long as you wish. Um, but uh, my encouragement is you go to bed because people are often tired the first day of a retreat when they come on retreat and it's just good to get a good night of sleep as you can. In the morning at uh, 6.40, there'll be that period of Sangha service and um, some of you are doing this for the first time. The two managers will be circulating around. So if you have any questions about how that job gets done, uh, you can know their uh, Kim or Abraham are around and you can ask them. So we'll do a short sit and then you can decide what to do afterwards yourself. <laughs> 